30 seconds, Metro TV, 30 seconds. The Louisville Metro Council's regular committee of the whole of March 16th, 2023 will please come to order. The time is currently 5.28 p.m. This meeting is being held pursuant to KRS 61.826 and Council Rule 5A. Madam Clerk, a roll call, please. Okay, all right, Madam Clerk, we'll just take roll. Uh, since we're starting late, we will just begin. Uh, please let the record reflect that uh, Councilman Mulvihill uh, has an excused absence, as does anybody else who is not here currently. Okay. Uh, first, I'd like to uh, go over tonight's agenda. Councilman Kramer, you have a page, correct? I do, yes, sir. His name is Nathan. He's here in the audience right now. He'll stand up and wave to us, and then uh, when it comes time, we'll introduce him and put the whole thing on the record. Thank you. Thank you. Um, council members, as I'm sure you all know, uh, the next item of business tonight will be appointing the District 8 council members. Uh, we, as everybody knows, we interviewed 18 over almost five hours on Monday, March 13th. When we begin the process, uh, we will open the floor to nominations. You may only nominate uh, from the 18 who we interviewed. Uh, once all nomination, and there's no second needed, so uh, you'll simply nominate. Um, once nominations, nominations have been made, we'll proceed with a roll call vote uh, to determine the council member. The first candidate who wins a simple majority of 13 votes will be appointed. Uh, if a candidate does not receive 13 votes on the first ballot, I will again open the floor for nominations and will continue to take a, vo a vocal roll call vote until one candidate has the necessary 13. Uh, the new member, as per our rules, will be allowed to vote on all legislation this evening. However, they may also, uh, and you know, probably encouraged to vote present if they so choose, uh, since they likely will not have reviewed the agenda prior. Are there any questions about the process this evening? Seeing none. Uh, Madam Clerk, do we have any addresses to council? Yes, sir, we have 10. Okay. Uh, the consent calendar comprises 18 to 29. Would anybody like to add or remove any items from the consent calendar? Old business comprises items 30 through 34. We have four items from planning and zoning and one item from budget. Uh, Councilman Flood, do you want to discuss any of these four now? No, there's uh, just other than the, the last thing that we'll, last thing that we'll consider it with the zoning change, we will have a um, binding element addition to that. Okay, thank you. And then, uh, well, Councilman Blackwell, uh, Councilman Kramer, anything you want to touch on from the one item from budget? Sorry to put you on this. Oh, Councilman no, Blackwell, I'm sorry, I didn't look up. On I the can screen. if you'd like. Thank you. Sorry, Councilman Blackwell, I'll I apologize. The chair. I did not look up. Um, Anything I, you want to touch it, on right now for the budget item? Uh, it actually, uh, Councilman Kramer actually chaired the committee, so you were, you were probably right to begin with. But it's it's a very simple one. It was just um, uh, one that was um, sent to all business for uh, the possibility of additional support. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Nothing else to add, Councilman? No, it was work that's being done in a, one of the divisions, police divisions, and I'm sure the sponsor would appreciate when it comes time, uh, folks joining in. Okay. 
Thank you. Uh, colleagues, a reminder. Uh, all staff must take the employee train sexual prevention, sexual harassment prevention training. It's due on March 20th. And then council members also have to take the supervisor training. Uh, I completed mine. It probably takes you less than 10 minutes to do both. So I would encourage you to complete it. It's a PowerPoint presentation. You need to look and then answer, I think, 11 questions uh, at the end. Um, we have a photographer scheduled for April 13th. Uh, they'll be taking group shots, headshots. Uh, encourage everybody to be here in person so we can get those done. Uh, this will include the District 8 council person. Um, and then we'll do all of the majority caucus, minority caucus, women's caucus, um, all of those together, uh, and the full, full council as well. Um, if you would like an individual headshot taken or retaken, uh, just let Brian in my office know, and we'll make sure that that gets scheduled as well. Uh, or if there's any other uh, group photos that you'd like to organize. Uh, thanks to everybody who joined us for the Art in City Hall reception. Uh, we had a great turnout uh, from the individual artists. Admire their work. It's on all three floors of council, um, of, of chambers. I think we've got some excellent uh, representation. Appreciate both Councilman Hudson and Councilwoman Chapel uh, for their selections. Uh, and we'll be graced by this artwork throughout uh, the remainder of the year. Uh, happy belated birthday to Sophia White, uh, who uh, you may want to know, turned the big 6-0 yesterday. So uh, make sure to give her a big congratulations on a milestone birthday. Um, and then coming up, we've got Councilwoman Purvis uh, on the 20th, uh, Michael Garten on the 23rd, Amanda Blackburn on the 25th, Sarah Feltner on the 28th, Brian Powell on the 29th, Councilman Hudson on April Fool's Day, um, Carmen Washington on the 7th, and Andrea Dern on the 8th. So those are all coming up. Uh, colleagues, as I is on the agenda, we're joined tonight um, to discuss the Department of Justice's report on Louisville Metro, Metro Police Department and really on the timeline and process. So I've invited the Mayor's Chief of Staff and General Counsel David Kaplan and Assistant County Attorney Angel, Eric Granger to provide the council an update on the Department of Justice's LMPD report, uh, specifically to understand the timeline, process, and next steps uh, that we should expect in the process. So David and Eric, if you could introduce yourselves and then the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, President Winkler, and, and thanks to everyone for hosting us here tonight. We're, we're glad to be here. Uh, my name is David Kaplan. I am the Chief of Staff and General Counsel to uh, the Mayor, and uh, I have here with me Assistant County Attorney Eric Graninger, uh, who has been uh, helping uh, facilitate communications with the Department of Justice uh, for, for quite some time, and uh, he also has some important background information to provide. So. Uh, I think we'll begin with uh, Eric uh, providing background on the, the investigation that, that led us to this point, and then I'll, I'll pick up with uh, where we are right now and what we expect going forward. Great. Thank you, David. And council members, it's good to be with you. I know I've worked with some of you in the past when I was an assistant county attorney for 12 years then retired in 2020 and returned to um, work in this position as an assistant county attorney. Um, so we thought we would start with just a very simple overview of um, the beginning of the Department of Justice's investigation, just to remind you some of the background on that. I know that you did receive a number of presentations um, 
under the prior administration as far as what was happening as far as um, some of the budget committee meetings and the like. So, but I will start over with just the broad overview. As you will remember, the Department of Justice announced its investigation of Louisville Metro government and LMPD on April 26, 2021. Um, it had a meeting with leadership and also sent a letter at that time. This investigation by the DOJ was a civil investigation. It was not a criminal investigation, and that's important to keep in mind. The investigation is what is commonly referred to as a pattern or practice investigation, and pattern or practice comes from a key phrase in the federal statute. It's important, again, to remember that the investigation looked at Louisville Metro government and LMPD practices overall as opposed to individuals. It might have looked at individual conduct that it saw common across the board, but it was always looking to determine if it viewed in its investigation a pattern or practice of conduct. The statute is quite brief. It actually, the federal statute prohibits state or local governments from engaging in a pattern or practice of conduct by law enforcement officers that deprive individuals of rights secured by the U.S. Constitution or federal law. So that's the, the large scheme of how the Department of Justice was proceeding as it started its investigation. So again, as you know, started in April of 2021, and what the Department of Justice notified us as it started its, its inquiry was that it would be looking at the following. All types of force used by LMPD to assess whether or not LMPD engaged in discriminatory policing, whether or not LMPD conducted unreasonable stops, searches, seizures, and arrests, both in patrol activities and in executing search warrants in homes. And finally, whether Louisville Metro and LMPD operated in a manner that discriminated against people with disabilities. Soon after the investigation began, um, Louisville Metro government and LMPD um, made a quick decision to fully cooperate with the DOJ investigation. As a result, the DOJ was provided with very broad access to documents, databases, body-worn camera video, um, probably the broadest access the DOJ has ever had in one of these investigations across the country. From the start, um, oh, and as another part of that, the Department of Justice interviewed many people on Louisville Metro government staff and certainly many officers within LMPD through those interviews. Um, from the start of the investigation in April of 2021 to the findings report being issued last week was a period of 23 months. And as you know, since you have seen the findings report, it's 86 pages in length, and it makes its findings in eight overall areas. Um, now I'll turn it over to David for what the next steps are going forward. <coughs> Um, <clears throat> thank you, Eric. Uh, as uh, Eric noted, uh, the, the DOJ issued its findings report last week, and, and that was certainly a focusing event for us all, and, uh, and uh, certainly for the mayor, the chief of police, and, and all of Metro government. 
and what that report basically was was the DOJ saying we've completed our investigation. Uh, we believe there's probable cause to think that uh, there has been a pattern or practice of law enforcement uh, violating constitutional rights and, and other rights secured by federal law. Uh, there were also probable cause to, in DOJ's judgment to believe that, that there were violations of the Safe Streets Act um, and also Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. So that, that was essentially the DOJ saying this is our legal case that we intend to prove in court. Uh, the reason that we're negotiating a consent decree is that like uh, many other cities in the past, uh, you know, the mayor and the chief of police uh, made an immediate decision that it was best for the city of uh, Louisville uh, for uh, us to move uh, past the findings in the report and get into discussions immediately. What remedies uh, should, should uh, Metro uh, agree to pursue in collaboration with the community and the Department of Justice uh, to improve our police department and pursue a course of police reform that would address uh, any findings uh, in, in the DOJ report. And that's the decision that was made immediately and decisively. And that's the course of action that most other cities have chosen. And, and uh, I, I, we believe that's what the community wants. So uh, th think of the dissent decree, uh, I'm sorry, the consent decree as a negotiated settlement with the DOJ that's intended to remedy this um, alleged pattern or practice of unconstitutional policing that's based on the findings report. Uh, what has to happen is that Metro will work collaboratively with the DOJ to figure out the best possible way to improve the police department so that a pattern of violations does not occur in the future. That's the goal. Uh, I think many of you are aware that, that the Department of Justice included at the ending, ending of its fin uh, final uh, findings report 36 recommendations. You can think of each one of those recommendations as kind of being a separate project all its own. Uh, and each one of those projects has to be fleshed out in the written agreement. And uh, for that reason, this is why these agreements tend to get very long and, and take a long time to negotiate because you have to figure out all of the very ta many, many tasks that have to be performed to accomplish each of those recommendations. And, and certainly we intend to come to the DOJ with our own ideas and with the community's ideas. They certainly have a template and, and they have a vision of what they think police reform should look like, but our community also, I think, has, a, has that vision. And the idea is that if we do all of these things and we do all of these things well, uh, then, the, then, and when I say we, you know, the Louisville Metro Police Department, first and foremost, and also Metro Louisville, if we do all those things and do all of them well, then we will be successfully creating uh, a superb police department that best serves the community. That's the concept. Um, decrees generally require agencies to implement new policies, new training protocols, accountability systems that rely on data, uh, and to, uh, to track things such as use of force incidents and traffic stops, whether or not a uh, citation or arrest occurs. There's gonna be a third party monitor uh, that is an entity that will evaluate whether the city is and the police department are complying with the consent decree and that monitor will report out on an ongoing basis. The, the monitor uh, is gonna be jointly recommended uh, by the Department of Justice and Metro uh, and uh, 
we hope that we can agree on that. We expect that we would be able to. Uh, ultimately, the court of law, the U.S. District Court, has the final say on who the monitor is, but you know, we have reason to believe that if we have an agreement with the Department of Justice that the court would, would, would defer to that. Um, and so decrees end, you know, they don't go on forever. Um, and, and certainly uh, the hope is that, that the consent decree can be complied with with, with all deliberate speed. Uh, they end when the court is satisfied that the city and the police department have complied fully with the terms of the decree and um, that there no longer needs to be court supervision to maintain the practices that would avoid any type of uh, pattern or practice of violations in the future. Uh, you may be wondering you know, how long it's going to take to negotiate the decree, and the answer is we don't know exactly, but what we do know is that these agreements are long and they're complex for the reasons that I stated. It's a blueprint for the entire reform process and all the many tasks and how the progress will be measured. So it gets, it gets very much into the weeds. Uh, we don't know how long ours will take. Uh, the mayor certainly wants to move forward immediately and, and, and make progress immediately. Uh, Baltimore, uh, which was negotiated, I think, in 2017, or completed in 2017, the negotiations took five months to negotiate their um, consent decree. And this was the shortest negotiation timeline for any major uh, police department decree. Uh, we, we have reason to believe that the Department of Justice sees five months as a pretty fast timeline for a consent decree, and, and that we have reason to believe they may think it could go longer than that. Uh, some decree negotiations have taken more than a year. Uh, we don't expect to, to follow that course, but that has occurred in the past. Uh, but we just want to emphasize that, that the mayor and, and the police department are committed to negotiate the best decree possible for, for the Louisville community. Um, as Eric noted, consent decrees can get pretty long. Uh, they spell out a variety of specific reforms in areas such as use of force, stops, searches, arrests, and accountability systems. Uh, as I indicated, Baltimore is the most recent major city decree, 2017. It's over 200 pages long, and there are 500 enumerated requirements in, in the document. Um, a single requirement could require multiple reforms to be implemented, uh, so you can see how uh, complicated this can get and, and how long it can take to get through it. Um, Albuquerque settlement agreement had uh, 344 requirements in it and it went, it went over 100 pages. Uh, so uh, our marching orders are to collaborate with the DOJ with input from the community to negotiate the best agreement for the Louisville community and, and learn from prior experiences and, and hopefully uh, do a timely efficient job of getting reform started in, in, in this community. Uh, you may be wondering about cost. Um, again, we don't know how much this is going to cost to comply with. Um, it's not going to be inexpensive. It's going to be material because uh, the process uh, may involve additional personnel. Uh, it could involve additional technology. It, it could involve um, additional training, you know, outside training. And it's all going to depend on what's in the decree and how, what has to be done. Uh, monitors are a pretty significant cost. I mean, we, we have been informed that it could range anywhere from $1.4 million a year to $2.25 million a year, again, for the monitor, so that is significant. Um, other cities have tracked the amounts that they spent on descent, uh, consent decrees on an annual basis. It's a little difficult to uh, compare apples to apples with these budget uh, projections because some of the things that 
the Louisville Metro Police Department will be doing are already be do, been already occurring in some respect. I mean, there already are personnel. There's there's already training, and, and as many of you may know, the uh, you know Paul Humphrey on the command staff has been instituting changes uh, to implement the Hilliard Heinz uh, report, and so there are some ongoing initiatives. But from what we have been made to understand by by looking at data from other cities. Uh, is that uh, New Orleans, for example, reported that it was spending between five and eight million dollars a year on compliance, and Cleveland uh, ranged between six and eleven million dollars uh, per year. And again, it, it depends on how you categorize expenses. Are they new expenses? Are they um, part of an existing expense item? Uh, but, it, but obviously, it could be it could get substantial. And. Uh, so it's important to keep in mind as well that if all goes well and uh, the, the, the consent decree is, is implemented um, in, in the shortest possible time frame successfully, a lot of these investments will have to continue to be made. Uh, so uh, the monitor expense goes away, but um, other enhancements, uh, we may need to plan to continue those into the future to make sure that uh, there's no backsliding and, and that the uh, the, the, the implemented reforms continue into the future. As far as how long we would be under a consent decree, again, it's, we're, it's not possible to project that now. Um, <clears throat> there, there were a number of dis, uh, consent decrees entered during the Obama administration, and um, it's my understanding that all of the decrees in major cities that were agreed to at, during that time frame continue today, uh, with some being closer to the end than others. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, Seattle entered its consent decree in 2012 and New Orleans in 2013. Um, we understand that those are pretty close to the end, uh, but clearly those have, have been in place for quite some time. Um, some, some are on track to take longer than a decade. So you know, our goal would be to uh, approach this with a sense of urgency and to, to create measurable tasks and uh, implementation items that where we can work efficiently to satisfy the court at the earliest possible time that uh, that Louisville Metro and the police department are completely in compliance. So uh, with that, um, I don't know if you have anything else, Eric, but we'd be happy to uh, take a few questions. I don't know how long we've got, but be happy to uh, respond. Yeah, thank you both for coming in for presenting. Uh, Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, you, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, it was mentioned by a colleague of mine how much we appreciate the administration being so upfront and forthcoming with what's going on. And it's very appreciated. And you sitting here is part of that. Um, I, the AG, some of the things that jumped off the page of me when he was here speaking was, number one, his thanks of the prior administration and the prior police chief, which put us in this mess, uh, which, which frankly I was completely galled by. Uh, but also him mentioning Seattle as sort of the pillar of a consent decree. And there's two reasons why. Number one, as you just pointed out, they're 11 years in and over $100 million in, and they still don't know precisely when it'll be over. And since then, they have set records in uh, crime, right? They have some of the highest crime levels ever. Uh, I accept the fact that we need to go through this process to correct things, correct failures of the past. Um, I, I want a constitutional police department like everybody else. I don't want my constitutional rights violated, so I don't, I don't want anybody else's. But we need, uh, this needs to be very, very measured. 
uh, and we need an out path, right? Because what I think has happened here, and I think you touched on it, you said quantifiable goals. So how does that work in the administration's ability to push back on the Department of Justice and frankly the monitor who will be paid more the longer they drag it out um, so that we create quantifiable goals so that when we achieve them, they can be checked off and we can move forward? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. And um, we're very cognizant of the fact that um, depending on how uh, the consent decree is worded, it can impact the ability to demonstrate to the satisfaction of the court that uh, the, the reform plan has been fully implemented. So uh, we understand that that is a challenge. Uh, th th there is no uh, accepted formula for exactly how to do that. Uh, over time, uh, the DOJ has taken different approaches. Sometimes it's been process-based. Sometimes it's been outcome-based. There are different ways to measure whether you're you're doing things that in theory result in the reforms you're looking for. So what I can tell you, Councilman, is, is that um, we understand we need to negotiate a consent decree that can be accomplished within a reasonable period of time. Um, and uh, we, we have, um, we are getting advice um, from uh, an individual with experience with Baltimore, with New Orleans, that can help us uh, try to craft a consent decree that doesn't lead to debates over interpretation, o over whether things have been uh, accomplished successfully. Uh, the, the good news is it's called a consent decree. That means it's, it's both parties' consent. Uh, we, we, both parties have to be satisfied uh, that, DOJ has to be satisfied that we are agreeing to do the things that they think that will remedy the pattern of practice that they found. Uh, we have to be satisfied that um, we can accomplish this and, and that we are being good stewards uh, of, of, um, of our resources um, and doing right by the community. So we, we think that, that we can collaborate uh, with them uh, in a way that results in something that can avoid pitfalls of, of, of you know, getting stuck for too long. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. President. Councilman Reed. Thank you, Mr. President. And this is going to be more of a statement than anything else. You mentioned uh, measurable tasks, which, you know, I think uh, as a businessman, that's something that we always try to establish for our supervisors. Uh, I noticed that on the report, um, it was very ambiguous in a lot of ways. Uh, for example, uh, the word many was used 42 times. The word often was used 31 times. The, use, the word frequently was used 18 times. The, the word numerous was used 13 times. And the word routinely was used 16 times. So I guess my point is it may be difficult to be, um, to, to, use, uh, to achieve measurable tasks when you're having this kind of lap, lack of uh, specific, uh, specificity, that's the word, um, in the report. So. How, would, how do you address that? Can, can we push back a little bit and, and, and ask them for more specifics? You know, I believe that we've established a good working relationship uh, with the Department of Justice and in large part due, due to Eric's efforts and, and the efforts that were ongoing before, uh, before we took office. I, I think my opinion is that the Department of Justice is aware that, that this is a challenge. Um, I think that they're open to 
uh, our suggestions for how best to um, craft reforms and ways of measuring those that uh, allow us to agree as to whether they've been accomplished. Uh, I think, as, as you note, you know, frequency and impact um, are, are things that, that you know, in an ideal world, we get more information about because that does drive, you know, we, we, if you're trying to measure change, positive change, you kind of want to know where, what the baseline is. And, and, and that is, that's important. Uh, you know, we can't dictate uh, uh, to the DOJ uh, how they look at that, but what we can do is, is use logic, have a conversation like you're talking about with the principles that you're talking about, and uh, tr try to get on the same page about that. But, but it is a challenge, and, and that's why this may take a while to get right. Thank you. Councilman Arthur. I have two quick questions and then a longer one. Recommendations number four and seven about confidential informants are basically the same. Could you check with the Department of Justice to see if one of these recommendations was an oversight or if it should be something else? Yes, sir, I'll do that. I noticed one was a duplicate. I was thinking of saying 35 <laughs> recommendations, but I'll check and see if, they, if there's one missing or if that's just a duplicate. My second question is, could community input add to the recommendations or change them in any way? We have been informed that the Department of Justice will be returning to Metro uh, the week of April the 10th after JCPS spring break is over uh, and that they are going to be talking more with the community. They're, they're, I don't know the exact plan, but I think the general framework is uh, you know, a couple of town hall format uh, meetings to, to get input from the community, uh, from impacted communities. Uh, and I do think that can impact the recommendations. I don't know if they're going to take anything off the list, but, but I do think that they would be uh, res receptive and open to the idea that there may be things that they haven't. My last question is about funding. On Thursday, March the 2nd, the mayor's administration announced LMPD investments, a new headquarters, and a new wellness center. The administration said that these will be paid for by the American Rescue Plan funding. The money that Metro Council approved for this was recommended and based on the Hillier Heinz report and the Department of Justice report. Neither set of recommendations call for the investments that the mayor announced. Even when you look at the Hillier Heinz dashboard that LMPD maintains, it does not mention a wellness center or a headquarters. And when the amendments were discussed in the budget committee with the mayor's administration, you never mention a headquarter or a wellness center. So my question is, does the mayor still plan to spend this money in the same way following this announcement? And if so, why does he think he has the authority to violate the ordinance that we passed saying what the money was for? Um, I, I do think that um, both the attorney general's uh, public comments uh, at the press conference held last week and, and the report support the idea that um, facilities and, and officer wellness are, are part of the entire picture. They're certainly not the only thing that needs to be invested in, but, but I do think there's some textual support, and uh, specifically the Attorney General um, made the point that, that, that it's part of, of the reform picture. Uh, I, I do think that the Mayor and the Chief do agree with that, and so um, you know, I, I would anticipate that, that the uh, Mayor will uh, be advocating for uh, spending in, in those areas. Uh, the, the current ordinance, um, uh, 
the LAT that, uh, that I think you're referring to uh, was I think $17.5 million uh, allocated to public safety. Uh, and, and the ordinance that was uh, uh, previously proposed would, would extend the deadline that, that would allow that to be spent. But um, we, we don't believe that anything that, that the mayor has uh, intends to advocate is it goes against that, that, that ordinance. I, I think that uh, we feel like it's within the, the general rubric of public safety. And so just what we're trying to do is, um, is, is, is create a, uh, you know, an entire package um, uh, of, of things that will uh, move the ball forward. And it's, it's gonna take some time. I mean, this consent decree will take quite a bit of time to even negotiate. So we don't know yet all of the things that are gonna be necessary to, to adequately comply with it. But uh, it, it's not just going to be um, a limited set of things like, like wellness uh, or, or, or facilities. It's, it's gonna be a broader array of things that have to be funded. Thank you and I appreciate your opinion. I'm sure some of my colleagues have a different opinion and I know plenty of people behind you have a different opinion. And just for the record, it does not vaguely say public safety. Our ordinance very clearly says these funds will address public safety practices recommended by the Hillier-Heinz report and improvements we have learned from the Department of Justice. It's not vague, there is no general rubric. It is very clear about what we intended that money to be for and I would hope that the mayor would not violate the law. Thank you. Councilwoman Hawkins. Yes, thank you, President. Um, <clears throat> nobody has mentioned anything about the constituents and how they're gonna get their lives back and how their lives was affected and how they will overcome this. Um, you just said that you guys were putting together a package well, I would include that, try to put a package together for the constituents that was affected. Their homes was violated. Uh, and the DOJ stated that it was a lack of policy. And I beg to differ. I didn't know that policy came with targeting, knowing not to target blacks. I didn't know that policy came with not knowing that you don't call people monkey. I thought that that just came with respect and integrity. So when you guys are getting your package together, I would include, put a package together for the constituents. Thank you. Councilwoman Purvis. Thank you, Mr. President. I just wanted to know about the individuals that were prosecuted uh, through some of this behavior. What is going to be done about this if these people were stopped or uh, arrested or charged falsely and prosecuted? What is going to happen with them are their convictions going to be overturned? Uh, <clears throat> Councilwoman, I, I don't have a specific answer for that question. I do know that uh, I'm aware, it's been, I've been made to understand that there are over 60 specific incidents uh, that are uh, identified in the DOJ findings report. Um, 
as the chief indicated, uh, those are all being reviewed. Uh, there weren't any names or dates attached to those, so, th so that's a process that, that is ongoing. Um, but I would just reiterate that, that the chief has indicated there, those are being reviewed, and that's, that's all I can tell you at that time, this time. I'd like to know if you can follow up with us on that and give us um, a report as to how this is going to be rectified. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman. Councilman Rashad. Uh, yeah, thank you uh, for coming out. <clears throat> uh, quick question. I, I want to know, is there, a, out of the, uh, the recommendations at the end of the report, is there an order to order of importance to any of the uh, tasks that you have before you? And start there, and then I'll follow up. Uh, Councilman, those, those, in my, my view is that those are not intended to be stated in order of priority, but you know, that, that's something that, to be sure, we'd have to ask the DOJ, but I don't think that they are intended to be that way. I think that's what the DOJ believes needs to, that all of those things need to be done um, to, um, accomplish the goal of police reform. Okay, uh, follow-up. I know uh, I read uh, about a, 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 a Tamika Palmer statement, and uh, I believe that she really wanted to uh, uh, get one of these processes moving quickly, and that's where the questioning came from about improving uh, civilian complaints, the ability to improve civilian complaints against officers and creating a system that that really holds the holds officers accountable. Uh, that seems to be the most immediate of needs. One of the most immediate. I'm not going to say the most, but one of the most immediate needs. Uh, uh, where 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 does the office? What does your department stand on on that order? Or you know, I'm just really just trying to figure out what are if we're looking at these things. What is the first three priorities at least? Well, the. The, mayor, the mayor's office and LMPD are completely aligned with what you're saying on civilian review, and uh, th that's uh, in large part why uh, that was uh, one of the first things that, that we announced, uh, and, and last week we announced that there was an agreement uh, between, actually earlier this week, an agreement between LMPD and the Office of Inspector General uh, to get that office uh, the information that it needs to conduct uh, these investigations uh, that uh, are authorized by the Civilian Review and Accountability Board. So uh, the mayor felt that it was very important, and, and the chief agreed as well, uh, to um, build public trust uh, in that process by making sure that the Office of Inspector General gets the body camera footage that it needs and also the officer testimony that it needs in full compliance with officers due process. So this was an agreement that we made a priority after the mayor took office. Uh, we were able to get that done. And, and I think there's, there's a new trust between uh, Inspector General Harness and, and uh, LMPD over working collaboratively to, uh, to make sure that the public understands that, that the process is working and that this ordinance is fully implemented. And I wanna thank um, Councilwoman McCraney uh, and, and Councilman Arthur for uh, you know, being part of that process. Uh, I know that the, the ordinance was, was important to both of them and, and during these conversations with the OIG, uh, uh, I believe they were helpful in, um, in, in helping us get to where we needed to be. So I wanna thank, thank you all for, for, for doing that. So we're very pleased and, and 
what we're, what we're trying to communicate to the public is we're not waiting. Uh, we have to collaborate with the DOJ. We have to reach a consent decree. That's, that's going to be something that we must do. But, but we want to do the right thing right now, whether we've got a consent decree over us or not. Uh, Councilman Baker. Thank you. You spoke about doing the right thing, and I appreciate you for being here and uh, the mayor's willingness to work on the 36 items. But I do have a direct question, and how many officers are currently employed right now with LMPD that have violated constitutional rights? Um, because that was essentially the report. Um, and whenever it comes to funding and things, we can address the, um, with financial or fiscal or get monitors or whatever we need to do but, but again, I, I think it's a, a large concern of the transparency of how many officers that they know on record that have violated people's constitutional rights. Can you speak to that? Um, I, I don't have a, a specific answer to that question other than to say that, as I indicated, there, there are over 60 incidents that are, that are indicated in the report. Um, the Department of Justice, because it's doing a pattern of practice investigation and not exploring individuals, did not give, give names or dates for those. But I, I do believe that, you know, it's my understanding that, um, that uh, some of those officers um, uh, are still with the department and some are not, as far as giving you a, a specific example. And I'm talking about the 61 specific incidents. Um, not, I don't believe it's going to be possible to identify uh, every single uh, officer based on uh, the information provided by the Department of Justice just because of, of, of the lack of detail there. I, but I, I think it's fair to say that some definitely can be identified and, and, and some, uh, I believe, are st would still be with the department, but I can't get more specific beyond that. It's still under review. What, what will transparency to the council and to the general public look like for those once identified who are part of the port and also what things will uh, the mayor be willing to put in place to make sure going forward that these things don't happen again? You know, our, our focus is on um, reforming the police department. Um, we, are, we are taking immediate action to do that. Our focus right now is, is working with the DOJ and the community to come up with a consent decree that will make sure that this police department uh, is not uh, exposed to things like the findings report found. Uh, that, and, and the goal, I think the mayor's goal is to be the best police department in the country. Uh, so we are focusing on coming up with the set of reforms that will accomplish that and allow that to be per, uh, uh, perpetuated into the future and not, not to allow any backsliding. Thank you. Councilwoman Shanklin. Thank you, Mr. President. And my question is similar to his, but I want to know, are they going to do investigations of the, some of these majors that knew about these incidents and just let it go? Some of these judges that signed those papers, those same judges that signed them, I'm sure that some of those victims had to go before them, and it wasn't fair to them. They've, they already knew enough about the case. And so I think there should be an investigation of the judges, the majors that knew about it, the sergeants, all of those. They should do something about them because they're still in those same positions, and there's no way that they did not know that those, the officers that work for them 
were doing these things because they talk among each other. So those majors need to be knocked down to sergeants or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of them that were involved. And I, I just want to see where justice is done for the people that went before those judges that had already signed off on them. So could we get an investigation of them also? Uh, Councilwoman, what I can tell you right now is that the DOJ has, has issued its report and it's found in its view there's a pattern or practice of, of violations of, of people's rights. They gave a list of 36 recommendations that, that they believe if, if those are fully implemented that there would not be any risk of that in the future. Um, our focus right now is uh, as soon as possible getting into a room with the Department of Justice after community input has been obtained and negotiating the best possible consent decree so that uh, there are full remedies for all of the things that the Department of Justice found to have occurred. Okay, we're looking at what already happened. I'm looking at forward. Those people that had already stood in front of those judges have a record now and all the problems that they went through. There should be something, an investigation of the nine judges that continuously signed those papers and they knew it. So I think that needs to come out also, if you don't mind. And some of the majors and the sergeants. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Shanklin. Councilman Rashad. Yeah, um, just for my understanding, why, why was this a civil investigation other than a criminal investigation? My understanding is the Department of Justice um, has authority under you know, 34 U.S.C. Uh, 12601 to, to do these pattern or practice investigations. And, and that statute, uh, it's not a criminal statute. Um, that statute was motivated by, um, I think, a congressional goal of um, identifying police departments where there are patterns or practices of, of, of violations of constitutional rights or federal law. So the focus is on transforming processes, systems, to, to create police departments where um, there are no patterns. It's, it's not a focus on individual conduct, and the statute does not uh, have a criminal remedy provision in it. Well, yeah, there's yeah, a lot impaired. of criminal activity in this report, and um, it really needs to be addressed as such. And then just to follow up on uh, uh, Councilwoman Shanklin's point, uh, I see a lot of, you know, one of the recommendations are to support uh, um, families of the victims. But what I'm not seeing is restitution for those who've been convicted, restitution for 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 all the families that have been damaged monetarily, physically, just emotionally, you know, for, for uh, and just restitution to the community because I know uh, there's just way too many people that are affected by this and a lot of them look like me. So now I've got to really just, really just try to reconcile, you know, if that was me in this position and I can't get a job anymore and I'm going through, uh, uh, you know, I might end up turning to crime and then I'm, 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 I'm failed again by a system that really targeted me. So uh, what are we doing for, uh, why aren't we uh, talking about restitution to all the people who've been um, affected, harmed by these uh, illegal and criminal practices? Um, Councilman, I was um, going to respond to your earlier question. 
as David noted, this particular investigation was under the pattern and practice statute, which is solely civil. But it is correct to say, and, and I know some of this was in the press, that the Department of Justice, in a different part of the Department of Justice, did pursue criminal indictments against some officers, um, and those were identified and have been moving through the process. So that, I was simply noting that was different from this investigation, that this one was civil, but the U.S. Department of Justice did pursue some of those other um, criminal indictments. Can you please just have them uh, pursue the rest of them? Thank you, Councilman. Councilman Parker. Thank you, thank you for being here. Um, so in the, in the 36 recommendations, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't see a lot of um, getting to the root of a symptomatic problem with our officers, and that would uh, include their emotional stability and their mental health and perhaps PTSD issues that were not uncovered that may be responsible for a lot of the bad behavior. And, you know, in so saying, I don't, you know, I would hate for us to spend $100 million in 10 years and be like Seattle and not move the needle uh, very far. So um, is that discussion, are those discussions being taken place so that from like the medical community, you know, we, we want to take care of the root problem and not just cover up the symptoms? I mean, Councilwoman, that, that's an important question. Um, you know, several weeks ago, the mayor uh, announced that he supported uh, the wellness center uh, that could be used by first responders. Uh, the, the idea behind that is, is, as you say, or as, as I think implied by your comments, that, um, you know, uh, policing and, and other first responder roles can be uh, a, a stressful profession. Um, uh, police officers and first responders uh, have the same uh, types of challenges as, as other human beings, but you know, due to the nature of their, their, their careers, that, that could be exacerbated. So uh, we do believe that, um, and we think the Justice Department agrees that, that officer you know, mental health and wellness is, is, is a part of the picture here. Uh, obviously training, obviously supervision, <laughs> obviously accountability, uh, if there are violations of rules, those are all very important things. But having uh, officers who are physically uh, and mentally well, that's good for the protection of the community. And, and it's, right. it's good well, for their protection as well. And so me. we support that. I was just thinking about um, psychological evaluations periodically and free counseling and um, time off if there is a determination, if there is an extremely high stress level that may lead to um, some type of explosive behavior uh, out in the field, if, you know, if they're getting appropriate counseling and knowing, you know, getting counseling or even education on what triggers are, um, those types of things. I mean, I think the mental health of our uh, police, just like our homeless population that we're trying 
to take care of and our drug addicts. I mean, it's a different type of thing, but it's the same type um, where we put a lot of focus on and, and monies toward. I think our police department needs that too. They have a very stressful job. And if they're um, not operating in a good head place, they're gonna do stupid stuff. So I think that really, really is very, very important. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman. Colleagues, uh, we've got several more people in queue. I just want to make everywhere it's 620. Um, I think this is a critically important discussion, so we will continue. Uh, but would also probably ask that a lot of the conversation should probably also be followed up on either in Public Safety Committee or Government Accountability. So it might be a good idea to also ask um, Mr. Kaplan to come back to one of those committees for further uh, discussion. So, uh, but I will certainly entertain the questions that are in queue, but if you've got more, it might be good to ask either of those two chairs to ask, um, ask Mr. Kaplan to come back. So. Thank you, okay. So um, we may hold some of those questions for Tuesday. If you wanna drop out of queue, you, you may do so, but if not, I will call on you anyway. Uh, Councilman Hawkins. Uh, yes, um, I have one of two questions. The first one is, um, are, can you give us the uh, number of officers still active that's left on the force that was involved? Yeah, I, I can give you that, that number. What, what I do know is there are over 60 incidents described uh, by the Department of Justice report. Uh, there weren't any names or dates attached to that. Um, and and I, as I indicated before, I don't know if it's going to be possible to, to identify every single officer involved in, in any of those 61 incidents based on the information we've been provided but by the Department of Justice. So I, I can't answer that question. Okay, secondly, my question is, can you get a, uh, go a little bit more detail about um, what the wellness center entails and don't officers have insurance and is the wellness center a gym? I'm sorry, what was the last part of your question? Is it a? Is, is it a gym? Um, is that, just, so, just go in debt on what the wellness center so, is. So I the, just want to know if officers had insurance. As currently conceived, the, the, the wellness center is in property that, well, on property that was purchased by the police foundation. Um, it, um, it is being leased back to, um, uh, to the Louisville Metro Police Department in exchange for lease payments that would run through the end of 2026. And then at that point, it becomes a dollar a year lease. And so uh, the responsibility for putting programming uh, in, into the wellness center uh, is, is a, a responsibility of the LMPD. Um, they, they are identifying, um, uh, uh, they have identified contractors who can provide you know, mental health and wellness type services uh, in, the, in that center. Uh, there will be a number of police officers specifically assigned uh, to, to, to support uh, the wellness center and the police foundation is, is taking a portion of the lease payments and, and putting that back into support programming you know, for, for officer health and wellness. I do believe there are exercise facilities uh, in, in that building, uh, but I don't, I don't think it would be um, you know, to totally accurate to call it a gym. I certainly think there, are, there is exercise equipment in there and it can be used for that purpose. Uh, so I think physical wellness is a component, mental, mental health and wellness uh, is also a, a major focus of it. Thank you. And I would just go on top 
because I know there was some commentary made that you believe that it is compliant with the previously passed uh, ARP ordinance. I would encourage you to consider bringing back the item for discussion to council. Uh, I don't know, I'm not an attorney. I don't know whether legally you have to bring it back or not. But I think in the spirit of partnership, it would be uh, the right decision to bring it back for to the budget committee for discussion. Um, whether you believe that a wellness center falls under the category of reform or not, um, I think it's pretty clear for those of us who are here that voted for that line item, uh, what that money was intended for, uh, and if that use is going to be materially different, and I think this was Councilman Arthur's point uh, at Budget Committee, la it was either Budget Committee or full it was full council two weeks ago, uh, that that should be discussed. And so I would strongly encourage you uh, to bring that item back uh, and discuss it and let us vote on it. Yeah, we would appreciate the opportunity to come back and, yeah. and explain how um, uh, th these initiatives fall within uh, su suggestions of DOJ. Councilman Sun. Thank you, Mr. President. I'd like for you to speak to the level of uh, investigation when it comes to the previous administration's office. The mayor's office, is he immune from investigation? Um, is he being, being investigated criminally, civically? Could you speak to how he's being uh, investigated, please? Uh, Councilman, I, I, I don't have any information on that. Okay. Councilman Baker. Thank you. Um, for a second time, I'll keep, keep, it, keep it short uh, with my question. Um, my, to my colleague's point about getting to the root problem, um, I have a great deal of um, respect for anybody who puts their life on the line to protect and to serve. So I do, I think that's a great use of the term, the root problem. This is an ask for the record. The root problem is the lack, in my eyes, and data eyes, of the lack of investment that we have done in these communities. So when we look at the 36 points uh, uh, that were suggested from the DLJ, I believe that there also has to be an investment to address those public safety needs. So we can lay it all the feet on the officers and uh, in blue who, who, start, who vow an oath to serve and protect us. But I also challenge the mayor office to look deeper at the root of the problem. And I leave you with this last, especially for people in this report who look just like me and were considered monkeys and whatever. My father once said, it's not the ceiling, it's the sticky floor. And until we address the sticky floor, we will never reach the ceiling. That's all I have to say, thank you. Thank you, Councilman. Councilman Rashad. Yeah, I realized that uh, from my last question, I never got an answer, so I'm gonna ask it again. How are we gonna give these people restitution? Are we getting ready to clear people's records? Are we getting ready to make people whole? You know, I, I call the restitution. Some people call it reparations, but whatever it is, it needs to happen. Yeah, I'm waiting for an answer. Um, you know, as, as I indicated, the, the Department of Justice investigated whether there was a pattern or practice of, of certain violations. They found that there was. And uh, what I can tell you, Councilman, with, with all respect, is that this administration is moving forward speedily to 
put in place a consent decree that, that is best for this community with, with community input. That's what I can tell you right now. All right, I'll ask y'all again Tuesday. Thank you, Councilman. Councilman Hawkins. Yes, I didn't get my question answered either. Um, is the, the number of officers that committed any of those acts, are they still on the force? And I would like to know, is this gym gonna be in one of our communities? It's, um, you know, I can't give you the exact location, but it's it's off of Eastern Parkway, kind of oh. in the St. Joe's area. I think that's where, where the Wellness Center uh, building uh, is located. Uh, what was the other question? Any, can you, are any of the officers that committed the, any of those acts that are in that report still on the force? that should be very easy to identify. You said that it would be hard to identify, but I don't understand why. You got the, you got the body cams, you got, uh, I mean, that's why the DOJ is here. So what are you guys planning on doing about those officers that are still actively getting paid? The, the Louisville Metro Police Department did ask the DOJ for information that would make it easy to, to easier to identify what, what it, I know you've read the report, so you know that there were descriptions without names or dates. So it does take some time to go through and try to match that. Do you have up. a timeline? And I, I don't have an exact timeline for you, Councilwoman, but I do know, I, I am aware that, that there's a list of over 60 particular incidents that were identified as examples in the DOJ report. They certainly didn't include everything that they thought made up the pattern or practice. What they were doing was giving examples. So I know, I know you're asking about those because those are the ones that we all know were in, were in their findings report. Um, I believe it's possible to identify uh, some of the individuals involved in those. I, I don't believe it's gonna be possible based on the information we've been supplied to identify all. But, but right now, uh, our, our focus is on uh, putting police reform in place to, to protect the community. So we know they did these acts, but we don't know who did them. That's hard to believe. Um, as I indicated before, the, the, the chief indicated that all of those incidents that, that were uh, described generally in, in the report are all under review. Okay. I'll ask that again on Tuesday. Uh, Councilman Ackerson. Thank you, Mr. President. And again, I would encourage my colleagues to show up at the public safety meeting on Tuesday at five o'clock. We can go late, but I do want to say this. Number one is I appreciate David for being here today, tremendously. I appreciate what I've been reading in the press about your administration, uh, the mayor's administration in your office and others working with uh, the inspector general's office to improve transparency and cooperation with the LNPD. Uh, I want to emphasize to my colleagues, these folks have been at their helm for two and a half months. They inherited this pile of crap. They didn't do it, but they're working hard to fix it. And I don't think there's, this isn't like a light switch. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna take a lot of input. And so I don't think we're gonna get the answers we want today. Now, six months from now, we'll be demanding some answers. But I wanna encourage everyone to have some patience. I think that uh, the mayor and this administration have proven their commitment proving their willingness to come over here, be candid, be honest, answer tough questions. And uh, so I would encourage us to uh, 
to give them a little leeway to deal with a problem they did not create, but they are committed to solving. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Councilman McCraney, I'm giving you the last question. Thank you. It's just a statement, and that is, I am very grateful that this DOJ report has come out. If I were writing it, it would have been tougher. I don't think it went deep enough. But I will work diligently with all of the administration and LMPD to make certain that the wrongs that have been created in this community are righted, however it takes. And we've heard a lot of commentary today and a lot of questions on how we're going to go about certain things dealing with the LMPD, dealing with restitution, or what have you. We're going to be patient with this process, but I want to encourage the administration to be transparent to a fault. Not take credit where you don't deserve credit. If we have to push back on you and beg and plead and, and threaten outside counsel for you to get something done, then you get no credit for that. I won't say anything further, but I'm very adamant about making sure you do what you say you're going to do, you're honest in your appeal, and that you don't take credit where you don't deserve credit, but you work hard and do right by the people and the citizens of this community. And I will be watching. President Winkle, on behalf of the mayor, I want to thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Thank you, everybody, for um, asking uh, good questions and uh, allowing us to come in. The Metro Council is going to be critical to this process. We, we want your feedback. We want your input. Uh, the DOJ um, emphasized in its report the importance of community uh, input and buy-in, and, and, and you all are as close to the, your various communities as, as anybody can be. So we really do need that, and we will keep you updated as we go through, and we'll, we'll continue to seek input. We view this as a collaboration. Mr. Kaplan, Mr. Greininger, thanks for coming today. Uh, we'll hear again from you on Tuesday at 5 o'clock at Public Safety. Um, Colleagues, there, one thing was brought to my attention, somebody missed, they would like to pull item 29 from the consent calendar and move it to old business. So Madam Clerk, please note. So noted. With no further business before us, colleagues, the Committee of the Whole uh, is adjourned. We will reconvene 645. Thank you, Eric. Oh. Appreciate it. So, the one